at a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is InvestTalk, independent thinking, shared success. InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, March 22nd, 2023 edition. And I want to thank everyone, first off, who attended our KPP Financial Wealth webinar that happened just a couple of hours ago. Thank you for all the participants. We had a record number of registrants, so that was exciting. And we went over all the different factors that make value investing superior to growth uh, and the long-term statistics that that back that up uh, and some nice nice tips on what parts of the market to, to focus on, what types of companies and valuation metrics and, uh, and, and ratios and things like that uh, should be concentrated on. And so there was a lot of great feedback, a lot of great questions. So once again, I thank all of you for attending. Now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm here on today's radio show and podcast to help you make the most of your portfolio, most of your capital, your earnings, your cash flow, and not squandering it on pitfalls that befell many of investors. We've all made mistakes, so it's not really about never making a mistake. It's about limiting the mistakes as much as you can. Finding good risk versus rewards, both when you're investing as well as when you're spending. We've all spent money on something that was on sale that, that oh, that's a good deal, and we never used it. So was it really a good deal if you ever really used it? No, that's actually one lesson I've learned uh, throughout my years is sales are nice, but it's only on something that you absolutely know you will use. Um, and so that's good risk versus, you know, that's good reward for the amount of money you're putting out. And it's the same thing with investing. You want to get good reward for the amount of uh, your spending on a particular company. Because remember, this is ownership in companies or uh, an asset, whether that's real estate, whether that's a bond, whatever it is, you want to make sure that there's real value there. And that's what we talked about on the webinar today and what we'll continue to talk about on today's show. Now, as we've discussed many times, it's a different market environment. <clears throat> post-financial crisis, that was an anomaly. And we're getting back to a world where inflation is more normal and probably elevated, especially compared to what we've been used to the past 30 plus years. And that means that there's a different playbook. But it's not that different from the last 100 years. Okay, so our job is to keep your eye on the important aspects of investing, kind of the down-to-earth approach is what my grandpa used to call it, which I loved. And a lot of people have get, get caught up in their pie-in-the-sky ideas, you know, the next biotech company that's going to cure cancer, the next tech company that's going to disrupt uh, 
some existing industry. And the reality is 99 of 100 of the, of, of the ideas in that, that area don't work out. And people focus too much on that one sexy name that did. But in reality, when you fill your portfolio with solid assets that may not be exciting, you're going to have a much better chance of success. Now I'm here this hour to help you become a successful, a successful investor. And we do that by answering your finance and investment questions. So our phone lines are open. 888-99-CHART is the number how to get, reach, get, get in touch with me during this hour. And I've got a lot to unpack on today's show. My focus point is in regards to the story behind this question. What can we expect near term for housing prices in the real estate market? I think that is uh, a topic on everyone's mind right now. And we're going to dig into some of the latest numbers. Also, Apple and Microsoft are now dominating the U.S. markets. It used to be the FANG names, but really Apple and Microsoft are the only ones that have held on. And we're going to look at some of that data about the broader indices. Also, the SEC is focusing on earnings manipulation by companies. So I want to look at that and gives you, gives, it'll give you a sense of how earnings can be a bit manipulated. And then lastly, if we have time, Talk about Tiger Global, the largest hedge fund in the world. We also have some voice bank questions for you. One is on REZ, the iShares Residential Multi-Sector Real Estate ETF, and SBRA, Sabra Healthcare. So I've got this, I got a busy podcast for you during this hour, and I've got it all planned for this episode of Invest Talk. So give me a call now. Your live questions are welcome at 888 chart Let's take a look at the market today. We had a decidedly down day. We had the Fed day today. They raised rates a quarter basis point. But what was interesting is that they hinted at, or the, the dot plot, remember they have the dot plot? The dot plot has a 75 basis point cut next year. So that's not just one Fed member saying, that's the aggregate of what the Fed committee is thinking is going to happen. So as I was expecting, it was a dovish hike. But what really hurt, I think, the market as a whole was Janet Yellen saying, no, we're not going to extend the FDIC insurance above the 250 level. And that obviously had bank stocks sell off. You had First Republic down 15%. And a lot of the smaller uh, banks sell off, sold off because of that. And that dragged the market down. Um, PacWest was down 17%. Uh, what else? Yeah, a bunch of other uh, in that space taking it on the chin. So... I think that's what's really dragged the market down. Overall, it was a dovish hike, and I think this was the last hike of the cycle. It could be wrong. Maybe we get one more, but I, I really uh, feel strongly about that. This is the last hike of the cycle and probably cuts by year end. So we'll see how the market reacts. I'm sure they're trying to quell any fears. You know, the the the, the government agencies, they, they talk out of both sides of the mouth a lot of times, so I would not be surprised to see a declarative statement from Janet Yellen over the next 24, 40 hours or so. Uh, we'll see how the market rebounds tomorrow. All right. 8899-CHART, 8992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. So I'm ready for you. Now let's dig into, what are we going to dig into? Oh, we're going to go to a caller right now. 
Hi, Steve or Justin. I was wondering if I can get your opinion on ticker symbol FANG, F-A-N-G, Diamondback Energy. Do you believe now is a good time to get in? If not, what would be a good time? At what price? Thank you. Bye. All right. This is Diamondback Energy, and this is an EMP company, Exploration and Production, here in the United States. They operate in the Permian Basin, which is one of the best regions for shale production here in the United States. And they are at about 58% oil, 21% natural gas liquids, 21% natural gas. So a little bit leaning on the oil side, which right now that's helped them, right? Because oil uh, natural gas prices have come down. Uh, now, this has come down with the whole industry, right? This is not immune to the recent pullbacks in the oil and gas space, uh, but it's near support. Uh, so, you know, I like it. It's just earned $23 a share next year. It's $128 stock, call it. That's a, it's a decent multiple, five times forward-looking multiple. I don't think they're going to get the same growth that you had in the last uh, couple of years, but it's a good company, right? Their their debt is pretty mild, about $7 billion, $6 billion in net debt on their balance sheet on a third $23 billion market cap. That's not too bad. Uh, the dividend yield, I wouldn't be chasing it after the dividend yield. You know, a lot of people are like this name because of the dividend yield, and that's nice. Um, but that's not what I would expect to really drive returns going forward. They're actually issuing more shares. So I don't love that, uh, showing that they they really need to not <laughs> pay as high of a dividend and probably uh, not issue as many shares. I think that would be smarter. So it's a good name. It's not my favorite within the industry. Um, you know, it has the high one of the highest dividends, but that's uh, not a reason to, to, to invest in it. So, uh, it, but it is a good name and I would buy it on this pullback. Thanks for the call. Now you probably noticed, Steve and I are excited about our 50 for our 50 million download milestone. And to celebrate, KPP Financial is giving away 50 free subscriptions to the KPP Premium Newsletter. This is our 50 for 50 million thank you to you. And it's super easy to win. All you have to do is go to our social platforms, like and tag three friends on our 50 for 50 million post. That's on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. Uh, I believe our fourth round, we've already given away three rounds, so 30 uh, annual subscriptions to the newsletter. That is already given out. I believe tomorrow is going to be, we're going to get our, our fourth round, and then we'll do another one next week to close it out. But you still have two more chances, two more draws to potentially win that one-year subscription to the KPP Premium Newsletter valued at $199. All you have to do is follow Invest Talk on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn, and like and tag three friends on our 50 for 50 million post. We're heading into a break. I'm ready for your calls now at 888 chart In today's world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. With total downloads surpassing 50 million, each InvestTalk podcast should be one of your key financial planning and educational tools. InvestTalk is a free download, and hosts Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to provide their unbiased guidance and professional analysis developed from real-time data research and years of investing experience. 24-7, rain or shine, during smooth sailing or on rough weather days, the Invest Talk listener line is open and waiting for your questions. You set the agenda. 
don't forget to call. InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Everybody wants a secure financial future, but getting there takes strategy, discipline, and the right information. That means you'll have finance and investment questions. Justin Klein is ready to provide his unbiased answers. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Craig from North Carolina. I've been listening to InvestTalk for many months now, and it's a great show. I have about a 10% position in an intermediate-term bond funds. I'm retired, and I'm thinking of taking half of this and putting it into a residential REIT, specifically REZ. I'd like to stay away from commercial and retail REITs. What do you think? Is it too late to the party or go ahead with this move? Thank you. I'll listen for the answer. All right. This is REZ. This is the AISHA's Residential and Multi-Sector Real Estate ETF. Now, the first thing you have to understand, this is not a stock. This is an ETF. This is a group of REITs. And I know it says the residential and multi-sector real estate ETF. So you'd think it'd focus on residential, but the top holding is public storage, not residential. Well, towers number two, that rents cell phone tower space to cell carriers. Avalon Bay, that is a, an apartment REIT. So that's the first time you get there. That's only 6% of the portfolio. 13% of the portfolio is public storage. Then you have extra space storage in there. Sun Communities, Ventus, which is industrial REIT, Essex Properties, I believe is a retail REIT. So there are retail REITs in here. Mega Healthcare, which is obviously a healthcare REIT. It doesn't have a ton of retail exposure, it looks like. So that's kind of a positive over some of the other REIT ETFs. But this, this is what it would be. It would be a pretty good mix of industrial and residential REIT exposure. And the expense ratio is 0.48%, which is a little high for my liking, especially for an ETF. ETFs, you know, you're not getting much with there. You're just buying it and holding it. You're getting charged 0.48%. You're not getting any advice. So you're not getting any dynamic asset allocation. It's pretty much a set it and forget it type of model. So you can pay nearly 50 basis points for that. You know, I don't love that. So it's good. It's above average. But it doesn't knock my socks off. I rather own individual REITs and find the best in these industries. But you're getting diversity here. If you don't want to do a lot of work, this is a decent one to own. All right, that was REZ, the iShares Residential and Multi-Sector Real Estate ETF. Now we're going into a quick break. My phone lines are open for you, though. If you are listening via live stream, you can call right now. Or if you're listening on KDAL 1220, we like that as well. And you can call and talk to us live. So this is Invest Talk. We're ready for your calls at 888 chart One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors. And I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888 99 Chart. 
Now let's touch on the housing market. And that's about our, <clears throat> our main focus point for today. And what to expect for the near term for housing prices. Now, sales of previously owned homes rose 14.5% in the month of February compared to January. That put sales at about a 4.5 million unit annualized pace. And it was the first monthly gain in 12 months. So we had 12 consecutive months of existing home sales declining. And sales were 22% lower than they were in February of last year. So while they were up month over month, they're still down 22% over the last year. <clears throat> now remember, sales in February are counted at closing. So these deals were signed in late December and through January and were closed in February. And that is a time frame when mortgage rates fell to around 6% from a peak of about seven in the fall. Now they're about 6.67 on average, according to Mortgage News Daily. But you can see that the buyers are very sensitive to the interest rate movements. And for the first time in a, in a record 131 consecutive months, you had the median price of existing homes fall. Now not fall a lot, 0.2% year over year to $363,000. So despite a massive increase in mortgage rates, you, you don't see big price drops on average. And the main reason, it was inventory. There were 980,000 homes for sale at the end of February, according to, real, according to realtors. That was flat compared to January. And based on the current sales pace, only 2.6 months of supply. A normal balanced market, not a bad market, a balanced market between buyers and sellers is between four and six months. So when you get over six, that means there's, Wait, there's oversupply. When you're below four, that's undersupply. You're at 2.6 months. So that's a big reason for the lack of sales decline. All cash buyers were at 28% in February. That was down from 29% in January. Now, sales were down most, obviously, on the higher-priced homes, most of all. And by region, existing home sales rose the most in the West, the biggest bounce back of 19.4%. The South was 15.9%. Median Prices fell from a year earlier in the West and the Northeast, and they rose slightly in the Midwest and the South. And based from Redfin, they say about 45% of offers written by agents faced competing bids in February. That's down from 66% in February of last year. And we're heading into the spring buying season. People want to move ahead of uh, the next school year. And so that could bring more buyers out of the woodwork. But, you know, it's still a tight market and prices remain high. People are kind of stubborn on those high prices. As you know, nobody's more irrational about the value of their home than the homeowner. And who knows with the recent banking problems, how much they tighten credit. So that's, that'll be something definitely to watch and prices need to drop significantly to offset the increase in mortgage rates. Even if they fall back to 6%, right? They've the, the 10 years dipped here a little bit. Uh, inventory remains very low. So I don't really see home prices dipping dramatically. I think it's going to be a slow slog lower. Like I said, you're talking about a 0.2%, basically flat year over year. And that might pick up to low single digits. You might start seeing that maybe in the high single digits, but that's 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 not that's not anything we're close to 08. So people that are calling for 08 just really aren't looking at the numbers. So 
that's where we're at. Now let's grab another caller question from 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen, Justin. I have a question regarding Sabra Healthcare. Actually, it's a REIT. The symbol is S-B-R-A. Um, wanted to see what your overall opinion is and what would be a good entry point and what you think the outlook is for the company as well. Thanks for your show, and I'll be listening for the answer there. Thanks again. Bye. All right, this is Sabra Healthcare REIT. It's a healthcare facility, real estate investment trust, and the technicals are horrendous. The relative strength is 17. Not good at all. We're talking about below all the major moving averages and hit a new 52-week low today. And there's a dead giveaway here. Now, what they do is they operate nursing facilities, assisted living centers, and mental health facilities. And you say, there should be nothing wrong with that. Like, those are pretty steady businesses. But the next part worries me a great deal. The company considers mergers and acquisitions investments as a component of its operational growth strategy, meaning the way that it grows is to just go out there and buy assets. And typically when they're doing that, they're when that's part of their strategy and their, their, their growth strategy, they have to go buy assets. And oftentimes, especially probably the last five years, maybe 10 years, they probably paid too much. Their cap rate's much lower than their financing costs. And they have a lot of debt in their balance sheet. So I think this is a great show. I wouldn't touch this with your money. This is another one of those chasing yield, 11.6% dividend yield. Well, what are they doing to pay that? They're just issuing more shares and taking on more debt. As of 2018, they had 178 million shares outstanding, now 231. So this is the antithesis of a good investment. Stay away. Now the next invest stock, the story behind this question. What could the Federal Reserve's rate hike mean for your money? For starters, a wide range of consumer finances from mortgages and credit cards to student loans, auto loans, and savings will be affected by this rate increase. We'll get to that story tomorrow, but for right now, we're taking your calls live at 888 chart Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value. So your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership 
for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Justin Klein is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Hello, Steve or Justin. Thank you guys for all the research and advice you guys give. I was looking to start a position in either Devon or Occidental Petroleum. I was hoping to get your advice on the stronger company. Thank you. We're looking at Devon Energy and Occidental Petroleum. Oxy has a market cap about. 53 billion. Devin is at about 31 billion. So both large companies, Oxy's a little bit bigger, but I've looked at the long-term 10-year return equity average. It's been Occidental. And recently Devin's been a little more profitable, but uh, I like the long-term operational uh, track record of, of Oxy. You're not getting quite as high of a dividend, but we talked about that. You talked about it on the webinar today about how the highest dividend payers are not good risk versus awards. You want average to a little bit above average dividend yields. Those are the better risk versus rewards in the marketplace. And Oxy, uh, a 1.2% dividend doesn't sound amazing, but uh, the operational history of the business is far more consistent. So if I'm picking one or the other, I would be picking Oxy. Not that Devin's a bad choice. Devin's a fine choice. Uh, it's just, uh, I prefer you ask for one or the other. I'm going to pick uh, Oxy. Thanks for the call. Now let's talk about the FANG trade. And this is pretty interesting. You remember how the, the FANG stocks, right? Facebook, Apple, Amazon, uh, Netflix, Google, and Microsoft was kind of in that uh, trade as well. And combined... The weight of Apple and Microsoft has risen to 13.3%. And in the S&P 500, that's the highest level of the top two positions on record. 
Not since IBM and AT&T back in 1978 have two stocks made up a greater share of the benchmark. Now, the FANG trade was very hot, especially during COVID, and, but it peaked out in August of 2020, and, and that's when one quarter of the index was made up by those, those FANG names. And it's edged down to 21% because companies like Meta and Netflix have struggled with competition on Meta's side, Netflix battling subscriber loss and uh, control of its own content. Google obviously suffering because it's very ad heavy and the economy slowing, ad spending slowed dramatically. So all those things certainly weighed on, on those other names. And it just goes to show you that when you're buying the index as a whole, you really have to understand what you're buying. And whether that is a mix that makes sense for the economic backdrop. And over the past year and a half, and I would argue going forward, probably not going to now near term growth is outperforms uh, because banking stocks have struggled uh, interest rates have kind of uh, leveled out here and that certainly helped them to a degree so you're getting a little bit of counter trend rally but to me this is a counter trend rally that that's all it is right it's counter trend it's not now no longer the dominant trend in the market and we talked about that on the webinar uh, as well today so the best way to make money in the coming years is to not index and think of ways to diversify away from those, those larger cap names. That doesn't mean you should sell your Microsoft or Apple. We own Apple. We owned it for a long time. And I've said of the thing names, Apple by far has the, the best business. It's really not close compared to the other ones. Uh, their, their, their economic moat is high, strong, and you know, they have secular growth behind them. And, and they have good execution and, and leadership. And so it's not surprising to see Apple uh, really out-competing those other names. Um, but that you can just go by Apple, right? And that's what we've done. And we've stayed away from a lot of those other names. And so that's how you have to think about this. It's not that you buck all large-cap growth. It's that you understand that in general, 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10 of them, are, are that have outperformed dramatically over those uh, those COVID years, they're going to mean revert. That that growth that they that they were showing was more of a flash in the pan, and not a and not a, an indication of some step change higher in growth. Is more of a pull forward of growth, and that growth has started to level out now. So. Yeah, I wanted to I want to give you an update on that because the Fang trade has certainly faded. Let's go to Taylor in Minnesota. Wants to talk about dividends. Yeah, hi Justin. I was hoping to hear uh, just a little bit more on dividends and the benefits of them. I was thinking um, if you initially invest x amount in a stock and the dividend that they are giving out is say three percent what is the benefit of that is it only if that stock is growing at least x amount or that three percent where it's a benefit or is there some other benefit to dividends well, no, I mean, based on the current price, they're going to pay out a certain 
amount per share and they may raise that dividend over time. They may cut that dividend, but once they commit to the dividend, they're going to keep paying it until they announce otherwise. Uh, and, and that's why it's really important to focus on the, the strength of the company, the strength of those cash flows, that they are going to be able to continue to pay that dividend over time. Uh, if the stock goes down, the market goes down, uh, companies that have solid business models and solid balance sheets, they'll continue to pay that dividend. They may not raise it in tough times, but they'll probably continue to pay that dividend. Um, so that's what you want to look at. That's that's the benefit of dividends that they of, of, of dividends from strong companies. And it's really a signal of strength. We talked about this on the webinar today. So anyone that tuned in kind of saw me talk about this and, and how uh, in, in times of economic stress, a company with excessive profitability is better positioned to continue to pay the dividend, to invest in the business when times are tough, when their competitors maybe not, might not do so, right? Their competitors might go out of business who have bad balance sheets. They can go out there and buy up those assets because uh, they've been prudent with their capital. Uh, and, and that's really what dividend paying companies tend to do. And dividend paying companies tend to outperform in an inflationary environment because they're the ones that typically benefit the most from an inflationary environment. And overall, they have less volatility than your average stock. Now, once you get to the high dividend payers, the ones that are in the top 10% of dividend payers, you know, right now probably paying eight plus percent, you actually get the opposite. You get worse risk versus reward versus the ones that right now that are paying more like, you know, three, four, 5%. And that's what the, the, the statistics show from 1970 all the way to 2020 is that you get less total return by those high dividend payers and higher volatility than just the average to above average dividend payers. So it's something we talked about in the webinar once again, uh, very instructive. Uh, we might have it out as a video uh, in the future on our YouTube channel. So you probably want to head over there and subscribe and you'll get that in your feed once we do put that out. Now let's keep things moving and pivot back to the Vestock Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier on 888 chart. Hi, this is George from Washington State, and I have a question about ticker WIRE, W-I-R-E, Anchor WIRE. I'm looking at the performance. I mean, they started already going up, but I believe there's still pretty decent investments for this year, maybe next year. What do you think? Thank you. Our Encore, Encore Wire Company engaged in manufacturing of electrical building wire and cable. It supplies building wire for interior structural wiring on commercial and industrial buildings, homes, apartments, and manufactured homes. And that's kind of the issue here is their earnings are mean reverting right now. They've, they earned about nearly $37 per share last year, only supposed to make $21 a share this year, and then flat again next year. So based on forward-looking earnings, you're talking but eight times, but pre-pandemic, they're making $3.68. So I want to know what's going to keep their earnings in the high teens plus range when before COVID they were earning in the low single digits. Because if they go back to making $3, even $4 per share, this stock's going to plummet by 50, 60%. So that's what I would need to do the research on. Is, did a competitor go out of business? What is it? What's allowing them these this step change in profitability? And is this a flash in the pan? Or is this something that is going to be more consistent? And that's really the only a a answer you have. 
if it's going to be more consistent in the high teens range plus, this is a bargain. It's cheap. If it's mean reverting back to three, four dollars, it's egregiously expensive. Now, I will say the technicals have weakened a bit. They, they, they've rolled over to a degree. They haven't broken below the 50 moving average, but if they do, I would be very worried about this name because uh, it's held that, that level for a while. So I, I would I'd be very skeptical, spect, skeptical of this name unless I have a high confidence, high confidence that this is not a mean reverting situation, that this is a new step change in their profitability, uh, but you're going to have to do the research for that. Now, Steve and I have been telling you for a while that we are in a new market regime. Cycles are a natural part of the investing journey. There are bull markets. There are bear markets. There are long-term, and, and there, are, there are cyclical bull and bear markets. There are secular bull and bear markets. And for serious investors, you need to fit your strategies with the times. So if you need help with that, I encourage you to reach out to my, or myself or Steve at our company, KPP Financial, where we operate the same philosophy on air, which is independent thinking and shared success. And it's where we provide unbiased guidance, both on and off air and, and parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So I encourage you to reach out and schedule a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting. Just head over to investtalk.com and hit the portfolio review button at the top right and fill it out. The sooner you contact us, the sooner we can help you get your portfolio optimized. Now, this is Invest Talk. We thank you for helping us achieve our 50 million download mark. So many, so many of you tell your friends and family members about Invest Talk, and thank you for that. Our work continues coming up next. Thank you, and I hope to be the 50 millionth download of your incredible show. It is official. As of February 21st, an exciting new Invest Talk milestone was achieved. The Invest Talk podcast exceeded. 50 million downloads. How do you guys determine a value stock? 50 million. Just wanted to get your opinion on JP Morgan and BAC. Hey guys, this is Josh from South Carolina. I'm a longtime listener. 24 7, rain or shine, on tough market days or during brighter moments. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley are ready to answer your questions. Our now preferred share is kind of a hybrid asset. It's part of the capital structure. You want to buy this what's on sale, and when it gets on sale, it's about $16 a share. $50 million. Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. It's how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now let's talk a little bit about Tiger Global. Now they recently marked down the value of their investments in private companies by about 33 billion, 33% across its venture capital funds. It's the largest operator of venture, venture capital private funds. And its private portfolio includes big bets on companies like TikTok, Parent ByteDance, as well as Stripe. And in the fourth quarter of last year, Tiger's newest venture fund lost 9 and 25%. It's newest funds. And tech stocks fell about 33% last year, so that's kind of uh, on brand. But SoftBank reported a $48 billion loss in its vision fund last year, about 30% drop in valuations, uh, private investments between April and December. That's compared with a 50% drop in publicly traded holdings uh, for many of those names as well. Now, 
manage the thing is with these private funds is that managers have a lot of discretion about how to value them. Remember, there there's some ways to value them. They're they're not perfect. It's not a actively traded market. They do rely on recent transactions, but a lot of them pass troubled assets back and forth at relatively inflated prices. They also look at revenues and performance compared to other comparable companies within the space or within the industry, uh, especially in public markets. But also the type of assets they hold are slightly different than public markets. Oftentimes they're preferred shares. This gives investors some protection and can decrease at a lower rate. Now, they've been raising more and more, Tiger uh, has been raising more and more of these funds called PIP, PIP. They have different numbers, PIP 12, PIP 16. And PIP 16 raised about $5 billion in 2020. And it showed through June that it produced a 22% annual return, but that's fallen to 9% because of the recent fall in prices. PIP 11, it went from 23 to 13 over a similar time frame. And a lot of these deals, they raised them at $50 billion valuations for Stripe. It's now a six and a half. It's flagship fund. It lost 56%. It's the Tiger uh, hedge fund. It's long only fund was down 67%. And these are all investing in these high growth, low profitability businesses. So this is a microcosm of what's happening in the private markets and in some ways in the public markets as well. Now they're a bit of extreme, right? They're very focused on one type of company. So it's it's an extreme example, but sometimes those extreme numbers can really send home a message. I hope it did. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck. Because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Sam and Hayward. Let's talk about value investing. Yes. There are two kinds. One is value investing, and there's something else. I forgot the other one. Growth? Growth, right. What is the difference? Well, value investing are investing in companies that have high profitability, typically, and they also are trading at relatively below average uh, multiples. So multiples uh, to book book value, uh, to earnings, to cash flow, operating profit, things like that. Higher growth names have, you know, their top lines growing and the market's applying some sort of high multiple to them. They're trading at high book value because the market's pricing in that they are going to achieve a level of growth in the future that's going to make up for the the, the higher price you're paying for it today. And oh. in the in the tech space especially that's where most of the growthier names uh, tend to be. 
there's a lot of that, right? It's all betting on that this is the next company that's going to disrupt the industry and be the be the the next Amazon, the next Apple. And that is inherently a very risky proposition to bet on a company going from, you know, modestly successful, especially just with top end uh, figures, meaning sales, and not necessarily much on the bottom end. And there are a lot of companies uh, that that are like that in the marketplace. And a lot of them did very well in 2020 and 2021, especially with interest rates very low. We talked about on the webinar today uh, with low interest rates, those companies tend to do, do fine because their cost of capital is very low. And so if they're burning capital, it's not that big of a deal because that capital can't really go elsewhere and earn very high returns. But suddenly, if you can go put that, that cash flow into a treasury at 5%, that's a big opportunity cost. And so that's the difference. And examples of each would be what value do you mean? and growth. What's the example of value? Well, I mean, you can look look at 2020 when, you know, the the NVIDIAs and the um, uh, Zooms of the world were flying high. And now they've kind of crashed back down to earth. Right. That's a that's a growthier name. Whereas a value name or, you know, your Procter and Gamble's of the world. Not to say you buy Procter and Gamble, but you know it's not exciting growth name. It's not, but guess what? It's very profitable. I haven't looked at the valuations and the price to book and uh, price of sales and and return equity and, and those type of things. But um, you know it's it's it pays a dividend. It's not a high dividend payer. Um, but those are the names that are kind of slow and steady. Wins the race. Um, and so those are the differences. And unfortunately. The indexes are heavily weighted, not as much as I talked about before, but heavily weighted towards those growthier names because they're just market cap weighted. There's a lot of names that are priced at premium multiples. And, you know, one out of 50 of them may, might work out. And it will continue. It'll grow into those multiples. But most of them will not. The classic growth stock are the, uh, the, the, the biotechs. Right, I've I've been doing this a long time, and no matter what the market is doing, biotechs are always the exciting names, the sexy names. They're going to cure cancer, the next disease, whatever. And you know, ninety nine, probably nine hundred and ninety nine of a thousand, uh, just burn capital and never really do a whole lot. So that's the difference there, uh, and you have to be very diligent uh, because over time, value drastically outperforms. We're in that market now. You know, there are going to be counter trend rallies right now is one of them. Growth has out, been outperforming for the past uh, three months. That's because rates have leveled out. That's also because bank stocks, especially those smaller cap bank stocks, have, have struggled over the past month or so. And they're usually on the value side of the ledger. And so that's also a good example of why you don't just say buy any value stock. You have to really do your due diligence overweight and underweight the particular sectors that are going to do well based on the economic backdrop that we're in, which is really deglobalization, nearshoring, onshoring, reshoring. So the companies that do are going to benefit from that kind of secular trend. And there are parts of the value space that will benefit commodities, industrials, especially energy, probably less so the financials, right? And you see that recently. So these are, you know, this is a complex set of variables that you have to consider. And that's why so many people try to just 
distill it down into one factor. And it's not that easy. I wish it was. I wish it was, but it's not. You have to have the time, the discipline, the knowledge. And that's hard. But every, you know, being successful in anything is hard. Thanks for the call. I'm Justin Klein. This is another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iPhone, at iTunes, not iPhone, iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes as well. And make sure to follow Invest Talk on our social platforms Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And like and tag three friends on our 50, 50 million posts. You might win a free subscription to our KPP premium newsletter. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice. Or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security? Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.